Hello, this is Tom Pasello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast, sponsored by sales enablement platform provider, Mediafly. Our mission is to provide you with the independent insights, community advice, and tools to guide your sales enablement journey and fuel your professional evolution. My guest today is Mr. Greg Bennett. He is the head of emerging technology for product marketing at data protection and information management solution provider, Commvault. Greg's an experienced product and product marketing leader. He's had stints at Dell and Symantec, where I'm also a legacy from, uh, prior to his current role with Commvault. And we're here to talk about the value program and tools that he is responsible for at Commvault Evolvers. Please welcome Greg Bennett. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Now, you got a fancy title. Uh, I like fancy titles, being the chief evangelist, but uh, you are the head of emerging technology. Uh, tell us about your role at Commvault. Yeah, it's really just a fancy way of saying I'm in charge of product marketing for some of our emerging technologies, including our uh, software-defined distributed storage product that we acquired in 2019. That was the Hedvig product. Uh, we actually renamed that on March 15th to be Commvault Distributed Storage. We kept the name for, for a while, but now wanted to roll it into our broader uh, portfolio. Uh, I'm also in charge of our container strategy from a marketing standpoint. So that's something that's really evolved over the last six to 18 months. And really the, the Hedvig acquisition and having that cloud-native software-defined storage was a, was a key piece of that. And then lastly, it's our, our integrated scale-out solution that we call HyperScale-X, and we have our own branded appliance of that, as well as reference designs available in other, uh, other storage technologies. Now, we had the pleasure of working with you on your value program, which we've been working with Commvault for some time on it. And it's near and dear to my heart because storage is where I got my start in value uh, way, way back in the day for a company called Maynard Electronics. We did Backup Exec, which was with Symantec, nice. now with Veritas. So yeah, I actually wrote the device drivers for that, believe it or not, way, way back in the day. They don't let me near a piece of code now, Greg, by the way. <laughs> anyway, tell us about the value program that you've worked with us on at Commvault. Yeah, happy to. And, and first, I want to say it wasn't just me. We've had a team of folks going back two or three years, the, the initial person that, that got the program going. And then here recently, it's been myself and two of my peers, Phil Wandry and, and Penny Gruluski. And we worked with Mediafly and the team over there, including Brian and Ian, uh, to develop multiple value calculators across different use cases. We actually have four. They were all developed by uh, different product managers at different times. We have one for our software-defined storage product. We have one for that Hyperscale X product I was mentioning. We have one for our traditional backup, and then we have one for cloud. So one of the things we worked with Mediafly was to try to drive as much consistency as possible for each of those. And we also put uh, a central site on Commvault.com. So we have a Commvault.com slash value calculators, makes sense, uh, where the they're all located, but we tried to ensure consistent look and feel. And then we also gave each of them their own distinct vanity URL so that if you're doing some sort of nurture campaign that's specific to a solution, you can tag that one and go straight to that product. But it's it's been a really uh, positive experience working with, with Mediafly. Awesome. Now, no program is without its challenges, and I think we can learn a lot from them. So what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced in developing and, and launching the program with these calculators? 
Yeah, I think in general, with any type of calculator, you're going to have the challenge of collecting the customer and the industry data to validate the savings. And we've been extremely fortunate that we have customer surveys from third parties, uh, and specifically IDC, and I can go into that in a little more detail, as well as we have something called cloud.comvault.com. And that's where we allow a lot of our um, customers to opt in and we can get metrics from them. So again, I'll cover that uh, in a second, go into a little more detail there. Um but I think one of the other challenges for this type of, of program or, or product is really one of promotion, right? Mm -hmm. It's You can put it out there, but then you've got to make sure people know about it. You got to make sure it's up to date and accurate and you keep pushing it. And uh, not surprisingly, we've noticed a direct correlation between promotion and usage. In other words, marketing actually works. And if you tell people about it and promote it, they tend to go use it. Whereas if you just leave it, it tends to, to not get as much traction. So I think that's you know, there's the challenges of making sure you have the credibility, and then there's the challenge of making sure people are aware of it and, and know where to find it and are using it. Yeah, and it sounds like there's three C's that you worked on, right? Consistency, which you mentioned a lot just in the beginning. So making sure that as you have these multiple tools that they're consistent. So if one yep. uses one, they'll get a consistent experience and capability across all of them. Credibility, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit more. And then I love what you said where, you know, if you build it, they will come is not necessarily true, right? When you've got a marketing tool, you do have to promote it and champion it, champion it out there in the marketplace. So how do you promote the tool from a marketing standpoint? Um, is this supported with social campaigns, banner advertising, emails to clients? Talk about how you use this in your outreach. Yeah, it's been a, a combination of some of those things. We have a tool, uh, internally called Amplify, and it's where we can share a lot of uh, LinkedIn and, and tweets and things like that. And so we've promoted it internally from that. We have internal newsletters that we've tried to use. Uh, and then it's also been a part of some of our email nurture campaigns. So again, it's a multi-pronged approach because you're not always sure which one is going to work better. But the goal is to really have something that, that people can uh, use on their own and, and generate enough interest to, to have a secondary conversation, right? Yeah, That's and move the conversation along. And speaking of that, so the BDRs that you've got, the business development reps, um, the sellers, do they also leverage the tool with prospects as well, or is it just self-service off the website for customers and prospects? It's it's set up to be more self-service, but we do have, uh, we call them LDT lead development team and they do, and some of our inside sales reps, they tend to use it more or can use it with customers. We find that our direct sales force and particularly some of our more technical community like the SCs and SEs, they probably won't use it as much because they already have very good relationships with their customers and they're in there doing business cases and looking at configurations. But we do find that the, the LDTs and some of our inside sales reps um, they're more effective when they can use them. Yeah, because they're outreaching with value, right? Instead of outreaching with the sales pitch. Yep. And, and a tool, right? A value-added tool, which I love in terms of the outreach campaigns. Now, we mentioned credibility real quick, but I really want to get into this a lot more because trust is so important nowadays with amygdala overload, uncertainty that everyone faces with their health, job, school, whatever it might be. Um, making sure you've got something that's credible is important. And that's what I love probably the most when I uh, grab the tools and I demonstrate them or I use them. Um, it's just the credibility that's involved. They're simple and easy to use, but there's a level of integrity and credibility there that I think is noteworthy. So how did you make the tools credible? 
Yeah, you know, first, if they're not credible, they won't get used, right? And your salespeople will lose faith in them, then your customers will use faith in them. And if they're able to do some quick analysis and they see that it's, it's not accurate at all, then you've wasted your time and money. So there's several different elements that we do. There's really three different ways we try to ensure that credibility. The first, as I mentioned earlier, we have those value surveys that we've done with IDC. We've done them once every couple of years. We did one in 2016, one in 2018, and we're in the process of doing one now. And we go out and survey uh, hundreds of our own customers. In fact, I think in the previous two, it was over 700 each, close to 800. And we asked them what their experiences were across a bunch of different factors before they implemented Commvault and after they implemented Commvault. And because we have so many different responses, we're able to get some pretty good you know, figures and, and statistics around um, SLA requirements, backup performance, uh, compliance, what percentage of their environment that's covered by their various tools. And then we can use that data and the percentages that we see before and after to apply some logic to some of these tools, right? So that's extremely helpful for us. On top of that, I mentioned the cloud.commvault.com. I think it's fairly unique to us. I'm not sure if others use this, but we allow all of our customers to opt in to provide some of their data real time. And so we're able to look at that, uh, those figures, and we can make real time adjustments. We see how they're using our product. Uh, so it really helps us understand better how it's being used. And then for the sake of some of these tools, we can see how much capacity is being used, how, many, how people are, are, are operating it, and we can apply assumptions and pricing assumptions uh, to that data that we're getting real time that gives us more credibility in our own uh, figures as well. So the combination of having that IDC uh, value survey where customers are telling us what they experience, and then the fact that we're able to see it real time uh, mm -hmm. through those metrics helps, us give, helps give us a lot of comfort and confidence in our own data, right? So that's that credibility there. So then the last piece really is, okay, you're confident in your own data. What about your, the competitive stuff? Uh, and, you know, not surprisingly, I'm guessing that, that most people that have value calculators, if you input data, their company tends to look better than the ones they're comparing against, right? That tends to be how these, these things work. But we try to make sure that we're doing as much apples to apples comparison as possible. In other words, if we're comparing uh, prices, we're going to look at the competitor's list price versus our list price instead of comparing a competitor's list price against our average discounted price, right? Because that doesn't do anybody any good and that, that destroys your credibility. Additionally, if we're trying to make some sort of broad comparisons about hardware costs as an example, we're going to use industry analysts from folks like Gartner, or again, we might use... Um, pricing from, from competitors' websites directly so that we're using the data that everyone else has or that's widely accepted to be credible. Because again, we want them to be as accurate as possible. And ultimately, if we're if it's someone that's not a current Commvault customer, they're gonna have a really good idea of what their environment looks like right now and what their costs are. So as long as they can see the information we've used for competitors or thumb in the air, you know, directionally correct, I think that gives us some credibility. And then again, the whole goal of all this is to get to that next conversation, right? So if they go into that tool, they use it, they say, oh, that looks pretty valuable. Um, and they see, yeah, the competitive stuff looks roughly accurate. Then that gives us that credibility to hopefully move the conversation forward. Yeah, I love that, Greg. The ability to use not only third-party validation, but the real customer and data experiences, I think is key. And then when it came to the competitive side, 
you know, making sure you've got that apples to apples comparison, I think is absolutely critical. One of the other things I love about the tools is that, you know, we followed the mantra that we use that Gartner has recommended, which is don't just create a black box calculator, you know, have more trust and faith in customers. And one of the things I love about the tools is that they're real simple at the top level to use. But if I really wanted to drill in and see what the assumptions were, I could see them, not only see them, but I can also adjust them in almost all cases. And I thought that was great in that you're putting a lot of faith in the customer because they can put in pricing that might turn out to turn the case negative, perhaps yeah. against Commvault, but you're, you know, you're giving them the shadow of the doubt that, hey, they know their costs, they know their assumptions, let them play, let open this up, don't make it a black box where you put in three figures and press a button and magically a positive ROI always turns up. Talk about the philosophy behind that and not creating a black box and having those assumptions exposed and editable even. Well, I think, you know, there's an element of you want it to be as simple as possible so that the customer can go in and tweak the knobs and dials on their own, right? But there's a balance between tweaking the knobs and dials and having 50 knobs and dials, right? You want it to be a handful so that they feel comfortable and they can say, yeah, that looks more like it, but you don't want to give them so many choices that they just kind of shut down and, and, and don't use it. Sure. Uh, so I think that was a, a, a key piece there is trying to make sure that we provide enough flexibility, but still make it narrow enough that you can get to an, an answer pretty quickly. And again, the ultimate goal is to get to that next conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I fully answered your question there. You, you did. And, and I think one of the keys is as you go to uh, the website and kind of check out what Commvault has provided is the layering that you built in, where at the top level, it's real simple, real easy. You do put in a few numbers and you can get a result, but you can peel the onion and yeah. dive deeper into it. There was one in particular for, I think it was on our software defined storage one, the one that I've worked mm -hmm. on more closely. We wanted to make sure that we call it as a three-year TCO because there are examples where if you're just looking at based on the amount of capacity you have, if you're just looking over one year, you may be able to com to configure a competitive solution for a lower price, but nobody deploys something over one year, mm -hmm. right? So we wanted to show that if you're doing it over three years, four years, five years, you start to see that uh, the true TCO come in there. And again, that gets back to the credibility. If we're saying we're always cheaper and we're not, then that doesn't help us and doesn't help the customer. So again, it allows them to tweak it a little bit and get a more accurate picture of, of what they might see with us versus uh, the, the hypothetical amalgamated, if that's the right word, competitor, mm -hmm. right? Of everybody yeah. bunched into one group. Yeah, I love it. And I think that's great advice and best practice for those to follow. Now, I'm, a, I'm the ROI guy, so I'd be remiss in not asking you, you know, what have been the business results of the value program, the outcome of uh, kind of doing all this work on these four calculators? Yeah, so I think it's, it's, I'll answer that it's a little more squishy than concrete. In other words, I can't say we spent X number of dollars and we got Y number of, of results, right? And even if I had that exact pinpoint data, I probably couldn't share it for competitive reasons. But what I will say is that, uh, as, as we discussed earlier, one of the key values of having these value calculators is having a self-service tool for customers, right? Mm -hmm. We know from all sorts of different surveys, and I, don't, I can't reference one off the top of my head, but it feels like 60 to 70% of customers do all their research online before they ever reach out to a salesperson, right? Yep. So you want to be able to give them something to do that. And if it's so complicated that they have to contact the salesperson first, 
it's going to turn them off, right? So you have to have that self-service, which means by definition, it has to be easy to use, which then gets back to the conversation we just had about, well, how many options do you have? You have to give enough that they can tweak it because each environment is different. But again, you don't want to have 100 different choices because then they tune out. You can tell they just stop, stop clicking on items. Uh, uh, but we also, as I mentioned, when we talked about our LDT team, it's helpful to have it sometimes a, a, a LDT person might want to get the customer on the phone with the tool. They might be looking through it and you can start getting a feel for, okay, well, here's where their pain point exists or here's how much I think they're spending now and, and, and opens up some conversations of how we might be able to, to save them some money. And then I think lastly, one of the key values is we provide a, a pretty, for lack of a better word, PDF report at the end of that once they get it. So if you've got someone that's a little bit lower down the organization, they're doing all the work and they want to go up to their management with a proposal, then we give them a nice report that they can, once they in, input all their data, it prints it out so it's all formatted nice and graphs and all that good stuff. So they can forward it up their chain and it's more easily digestible, looks more professional, et cetera. So all of those benefits are are very tangible that we get from the, the tool, uh, in addition to, to some of the financial metrics we may get as well from a number of leads and conversions, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, digital decision-making is where it's at. Buyers are making a lot more of the decision on their own independently. You wanna arm them with as much as possible. They're in consensus um, decision-making within the organization. You know, in an enterprise purchase, 13, 14 to 23 different people might be involved in that decision. Yeah. So you need that kind of evidence. And everyone is seems to be financially focused to a level that I might have only seen maybe back in the financial crisis or back in the dot-com boom and bust period. We're kind of back there again, where yep. you better have your good business case aligned to some top-level strategic goals. Otherwise, you're not going to get approvals. Well, and I think a lot of the, the self-service access in particular during COVID times when people can't get out as much, you can't go to as many events, you can't, even salespeople can't really go meet face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. It's important to have some of these tools to help spur some of those conversations and research. So what's next for the value program as you look at ways to evolve this even further to achieve some of your goals? Correct. Yeah, I think one of the lessons learned for us was that, you know, I mentioned that nice, pretty reports. Uh, our conversion rate is not as high as we would like it. And we believe that's because we were providing too much of the information to the customers as they went through the tool. So in other words, they could go through, click through, see all the results, and then take a screenshot and not have to provide their information. I mean, I think a lot of people, I'm guessing you're the same as is me, I'm reluctant at times to provide my contact information for fear of getting bombarded by a bunch of, you know, solicitations, phone calls, et cetera. Uh, but there is a fine line there. So we still want to provide some level of high level summary of mm -hmm. the, the output that they're going to get from the report. But we want to move the gating process a little bit further up so that before they get the final report and some of the detailed analysis, they have to give us some of their information. So I think that was one of the uh, one of the big learnings for us and how we want to move things forward. And another one is that, you know, I mentioned we have the conval.com slash value calculators page and it's there and we had some challenge driving people to that. So one way that we want to try to get more visits and clicks and, and uh, views to the tool is possibly put them on our specific product pages, either mm -hmm. embed them or put more links there so that you can get to them easier and you don't have to do a separate navigation. You know, you may go search for Hyperscale X as an example, 
and while you're reading about the product, then you see the value calculator tool or a link to it. Um, and so I think those are some of the steps we're going to take moving forward to try to increase the number of uh, clicks and views. But uh, so far, so far, so good. You know, we've had good experience with them. And, and I think you absolutely need them these days. Again, go, not having it reduces your credibility, right? <laughs> like if you don't have a value calculator, in many cases, you've hurt your credibility before you even started. So uh, they've been very valuable to us for us. Yeah. So to review that a little bit more. So there's uh, kind of three big ways that sometimes people consider gating content tools being a piece of content. One is you can gate the content itself. So gate the tool, require people to kind of give you their information before they even begin playing with it. And I'm not a big fan of that. I don't think yeah. you are either. Right. Because no. you want to give something to get something. Right. Yep. Um, but what you're saying is when we gated the report, we were giving away all the results and we weren't quite getting people to commit as much to give us the information exactly. to get the report. There's a balance there in that, you know, the leads you do get are probably the highest qualified, but you're definitely mm -hmm. probably losing some interesting client, interested clients. So gating on the results where you're giving maybe two or three data points and then hiding the results and hiding the report until they give you the information is a great balance. And that is where I'm recommending most people go now is gating at least a yeah. portion of the results. And in working with Mediafy, that's some of their best practices as well, right? So that was, they, in, in looking at our results, we're like, boy, the conversion rates are not where we want them to be. And so we mm -hmm. started trying to experiment and, and where we put the gating. We have four tools so we can play around with it, right? Yeah, do a little uh, bit so of A-B testing. We're testing yeah. that gating to try to see where we get the best uh, conversion rates. Yeah. And then the less information too. I know a lot of companies want to collect a lot of information. We work with some that collect, you know, eight, 10 data points for every customer, you know, you're going to get drop off. So do be, yeah. try to be realistic on how much data you're asking the customer to fill in, perhaps just their name and email, if you can get away with it. And then maybe you've got other systems that are supplementing to get the information um, filled in for the rest of their profile, right? And do that intelligently. And then you mentioned kind of the landing page. Um, one of the best practices that we've been uh, using is almost creating like a value hub on the site which is not just include the four calculators, but if you have, for example, IDC research reports or other information about success stories that are quantified from customers. So almost think of it like a value portal instead of just the tools alone, combining it with other content that is all value oriented and all only there to help the customer understand the potential cost of doing nothing and value of change. I think that that could be a great best practice. However, I love how you're not only relying on that, but also kind of putting the data in on the, um, on the uh, product pages themselves. Yeah, I like your idea. We have a separate uh, site on Conval.com. It's Conval.com slash uh, case studies. I think there are customer references. I should know that off the top of my head. But either way, I think linking from the value page, value calculator page to that and vice versa could be a good way of, of cross promotion. Because if you're looking at the, the value calculator, then your next step is probably going to be, well, what customers have used these products and what experience have they had? What kind of savings? to try to validate it. So then you instantly could go into that portal to search on a type of technology or customer, et cetera, to find more information. So that's a really good idea. What's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our Evolver community with today? Uh, it's gonna sound simple, but you get out of it what you put into it. Uh, so we hit on a little bit earlier, but these are not something in my mind that you can develop once 
published to a website, kind of clap your hands and, and sit back and wait for all the leads to come pouring in. You've got to continue to maintain your data to make sure it's accurate. You've got to at least check periodically, make sure your competitive data is not way off base. And then you've got to keep promoting it. You got to keep it in front of the salespeople. You know, they have different priorities that are being hit from all different angles. So you can't say, oh, we promoted it that one time back in March. We're done. We're good. You have to just keep finding ways to, to go promote it and, and drive traffic and, and make sure that it's, it's accurate to, to keep that credibility up. Awesome. Thank you, Greg, so much for participating with and making the Evolvers a great and growing community. Where can folks find and reach you online? Uh, gbennett9197 or at gbennett9197 on LinkedIn uh, and at gbennett9197 on Twitter as well. Awesome. And we'll include that in the show notes. Greg, thank you so much for participating and Evolvers keep evolving. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.